0: We are looking at Psalm 119, and some of you will laugh at this, some of you will just shake your head in habitual sadness. That I, I thought we could do this in one day. <laughs> surely, 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 the longest chapter in the Bible is in one sermon. So, we will not get this done in one day. Um, I'm also somewhat foolishly of the mind, we might get it done in two days, two sermons. Uh, I've already dismissed that as a silly thing, too. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, because the point is, what we harvest from this, uh, rather than my desire to get through it faster, what we harvest is the point. Now, how many of you remember your homework for the week, those of you who were here last week? Okay. I'm not asking you to raise your hand so you'll be embarrassed. Or actually, so you'll be embarrassed if you don't raise your hand. Uh, so here's what I, here's what I had asked is to take this Psalm, Psalm 119, which is all about the word of God. And to look at that in terms of what are the choices and attitudes that God is calling you to and calling me to choices and attitudes toward the word and then second out of that what are the outcomes what are the promises or the results and if i pursue the word and the choices and attitudes he's described and called me to what can i expect to be growing or strengthening or, or coming out of that process so uh, i know some of you have begun psalm 119 and and of the folks who raised their hand and said you you remember the homework uh, i won't ask this but i bet at least someone who started it found out they couldn't get through it in one week uh, that's okay. we got a couple more weeks. What, we're going to be doing this. So I want to put that homework back on the front burner for, for all of us. That you would be going through Psalm 119, read it all the way through, but then go back and, and spend time. It has 176 verses. And many of you know this. They're in 22 sections that each fit with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each section has eight verses. So even if you just said, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going, to, I'm going to look at the next eight. And I'm going to spend a few minutes pondering the next eight verses. And I'm going to try to look at the choices and attitudes that God is calling me to. And I'm going to look at the outcomes and promises that flow from those choices. And attitudes. And, and if that's all you got done in one day was harvesting some of that from, from eight verses, that would be A good day. Some of you will have time and opportunity to do more than that, then take advantage of the time God's given you and do more than that. But I would encourage you, at least try to tackle eight verses every day. And if we get through Psalm 119, as far as the series in in this sermon, just keep on going. Keep harvesting what God has for you. Um, So I hope you enjoy that, as in everything that we do and everything that you pursue in the Word of God. Go in there with the expectation that you will be gathering treasure. So this is not math homework, as I said last time. You don't have to fake it. Uh, you, You don't have to avoid it. You don't have to worry about your grade. This is work you're doing at home for the purpose of gathering treasure. And that I would encourage that mindset. In fact, as we'll see, as we look at Psalm 119, that is the attitude. That's one of the attitudes that God has for us in this, is that we go into the word with with a, a mindset that we're going to be gathering treasure, treasure for life. Now, If you would turn to James for a second before we get into Psalm 119, because this this letter says something that I think is very valuable in again in the mindset we have when we look into the Word, anytime we're studying the Word of God. And in James 1, 21 and 22, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks these words. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And so several several parts to this that I again I hope we're thinking and pondering and choosing with God is first of all he, he's saying That would be padding, and that won't make sense. Putting, putting away filthiness, and receiving something. So putting away the flesh, we're putting away corruption. We're recognizing in ourselves, and every single one of us in the room gets to recognize this. I am an un finished human being you are an unfinished son or daughter of god and that unfinishedness includes things that god's saying i want to uproot that and throw that away i want to change that I, i want that to be diminished in its power and its presence and its authority in your life that's something that is no longer fitted to who you are as a son or daughter of god so right now, every single one of you could close your eyes and, and in honesty, you could recognize there are areas of my life where the flesh still has a presence. There are areas of my life where I still sin. There are areas of my life where I know my attitude or my choices or my behaviors do not yet look like the fullness of Jesus Christ. And Paul acknowledged that in Philippians three, he says, I have this majestic, perfect calling in Jesus Christ and I have not yet gotten there, And so Paul, boy and boy, old man, my elder brother in the faith, could acknowledge he wasn't finished. You and I have great freedom to simply acknowledge, I'm not finished. That means I have things that, that the Holy Spirit is saying, Reg, if you pay attention, there's things I'm gonna help you put away. So that a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, you will keep being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ and less and less looking like the world around you. Less and less looking like your history and more and more looking like the history of Jesus Christ. Get ready to put things away. But then he says, receive the word implanted. And I love that phrase, the word implanted. So the wording there that God is saying, I don't want the word to just sit on a desk in front of you. I don't want the word, in fact, just sort of at the front of your thoughts. I want the word to take root. That's what the phrase means. That's what the wording means in the Greek. That somehow, Father, I'm, I'm putting away ugliness and, and selfishness and sinfulness. We are overcoming, uprooting, uprooting and putting them away and intentionally rooting and planting and nourishing and watering and fertilizing something in its place. And that you and I get to have that attitude when we go to the Word. Hey, Father, we're getting ready to plant something or maybe you're getting ready to water and fertilize something that's already been planted, but you want it to go further. So I, have, I had a tree tip over in this ice storm, a, a huge tree. And when it tipped over, the whole root ball came out. The roots were about that deep. I can see why it tipped over. And, and the roots were sort of broad but they weren't deep. And so the weight of that ice and snow meant it was not solidly anchored, and it could be easily uprooted. and it was. I was stunned. Uh, It's a strong-looking tree above the ground. But where it mattered, that tree was weak. Where it mattered, that tree was weak. And you and I get to recognize, Father, I don't want my faith. I don't want my knowledge of your word. I don't want the wisdom I gained from your word that, that you're bringing into my marriage, into my parenting, into my friendships, into my brotherhood in the body. I don't want that to be shallow. I don't want the enemy to look at me as an easy pushover. And most important, I don't want to be an easy pushover. I want to be deeply implanted with your word. So James here is telling us, the Holy Spirit speaking through James says, have a mindset, a wise mindset, that when I go to receive the word, again, it's not just, you know, it's not just clean up your act. It's go deep in the godly alternative. And one thing we get to recognize every now and then, and and I think this is important for us to remember sometimes, the enemy would like us to feel like this is the real me and I'm pursuing something for it when I try to be God, when I try to go deeper into the truth of God. The enemy loves that lie. It's a lie. First of all, we get to go back to to Genesis and recognize that's what I was originally created for. I was created to walk in the garden with God in the cool of day and not hide from it. That's what I was created for. And everything that pulls me away from that is the foreign things. But also we now have in the New Testament, we won't go to all the passages, but most of you know those passages. That now I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is now the new true me is Reg Larkin, son of the living God. Your name in there, son or daughter of the living God. And God saying, I really want you to believe me. This is where faith matters, that you believe that about yourself because you believe me when I tell you that's the true you. So we're going into the godly alternative because it is now in Christ our true nature. It's not the foreign thing. It's the real thing. And we're removing the false thing. We're removing the dead thing. We're removing the deceptive thing. So putting away and receiving the word and planning, and then James says something that's really bizarre, which is able to save your souls. Somehow receiving the word, your souls. So I'm not trying to create a controversy so that we can solve the controversy, but but I've actually heard believers struggle over this. Is James teaching us, did somehow God allow to sneak into the New Testament, teaching on an alternate means of salvation? Short answer is no. Okay, we can go home now. That, that short answer of no, because God is saying, you know what, this word means rescue. There's an E on there. I want to rescue your soul. Your salvation, over and over and over again, from Genesis to Revelation, salvation is about faith. In Jesus Christ, now that he has been revealed, as he said, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Nobody can now say, well, I have faith in God, but I don't like that whole Jesus that's God's saying, you know what? Jesus is the only God thing happening on planet Earth. Everything else will now be a diversion, a distraction, and a deception. Jesus Christ is the only God thing genuinely happening on earth. And it's being offered to men and women of every culture. It's being offered sometimes miraculously through, through dreams and visions to men and women who are not even in a culture where they get to go to a church or have somebody walk by and hand them a track. I start saying, say, I promise you, but it's not my promise. He promises you. He is looking for hearts that desire Him and He's finding he's faithfully bringing them to Jesus Christ. And so that recognition that now, James is not teaching us a new means of salvation, that the the word implanted means this word, taking root in my life, rescues my soul. This is actually a different word than your eternal spirit. This is about your personality. This is about your emotional life. Your relationship life. Um, what else would I say? It's about your daily life. God is saying, you know what? And James is saying, if you've already put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved. You are eternal because of that faith. We don't do anything else to make that happen. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are in eternal. You are secure, you are safe, and no one and nothing can ever snatch you out of the Father's hands or out of Jesus' hands. Done deal. But, look at yourself. What a mess. He's talking to me, don't worry. And and we're recognizing, I I need rescuing. I'm now eternally saved, but I need rescuing from deception. I need rescuing from all the wounds and damages of my childhood. Or, or being immersed in the world. I need rescue from all the lies that a lifetime surrounded by lies has have seeped into me, even if I was raised in a Christian home. So, this promise that James is speaking is receive the word implanted because God has a way to rescue you from the damages of sin. God has a way to rescue you from the ravages of your sin and everyone else's sin around that impacted you, that shows up in your personality or your marriage or your friendships or your fellowship with other believers. All the ways that there is something less than God designed you for. The Word is God's tool. It's His leverage to rescue us from those things. So it's worth asking, in fact, please actually genuinely pause for a moment. In fact, close your eyes. So you're not looking at me, you're, you're not pondering the person next to you and wondering what they're thinking. But have have a brief, momentary father-son, father-daughter conversation right now and look at your life with God and go, Father, where do I need rescue? Where do I be, need to be lifted up out of damaging ways? Where do I see sin in my life that I get frustrated over because I keep making promises to be different It just crops up over and over again. Where do I see other people wounded or hurt by my ways? And I need to be rescued from my ways to learn your ways. So just spend a moment prayerfully pondering with God, your day-to-day thought life, your day-to-day language, your day-to-day words, your day-to-day behavior, your day-to-day relationships, Your relationship with God. Your relationship with the word. Your relationship with the body of Christ. Your relationship to Satan. Your relationship to temptation. Let's ponder for a moment so that we can agree with God. Father, thank you for this promise. Literally thank you that you have prepared in your word truth that is designed to rescue me from the damage I'm thinking about to rescue me from the patterns or the habits or the deceptions that in some ways still have anchor in my life. So let this be genuine father-son, father-daughter conversation. I'm willing to look at the areas where I need rescuing, and I'm willing to praise you and thank you and dive in to receive the word implanted that you designed to rescue me where I need rescue to take my soul upward, my day-to-day life upward into your likeness more and more. And as we look at Psalm 119, we're gonna keep saying, uh, no one's really sure who wrote this psalm. Many Bible scholars believe it was David. Others believe it might have been written actually in the time of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Nehemiah, and it doesn't matter. Uh, there are times when God identifies the author of some passage. There are times when He doesn't. We don't know who the author is, except we know this: the Holy Spirit wrote it. Whatever prophet He chose, whatever time He wrote it in, the Holy Spirit wrote this with an incredible range of help for us to lift our minds to think more like God about his word. And actually, I I, I also wanna encourage you, challenge you, that we would have this mindset while we're looking at at Psalm 119, that we're trying to get God's perspective on his word. And that we're willing to trade our perspective in for his perspective. So, I myself have gone through this. And I bet, I bet, at least some of you have. I have gone through periods of my, my Christian life g- as a genuine believer, where the Word felt like a chore. Oh, oh man, have I studied it yet today. Um, an obligation. Oh man, I'm gonna meet with Lawrence, and I told him I oh, would study that thing and review it together. It's a chore. It's an obligation. It's something i got to do for someone else. Or maybe if I, I could think that way for God. Fine, God. Fine. Okay. Get off my back. I'll do it. Let's go. Now, I know none of you have ever felt it. But I've heard about it in other Christians. of approaching the word of God like a chore or an obligation. And that means in that moment, I've been deceived and I have forgotten God's perspective on the word. I've just been deceived. So, how does God want givers to give in the body of Christ? He loves a, a cheerful giver. Yes. We're gonna actually see a, a, an analogy to that in a Psalm 119 that God said, you know what? I want you obedient enough to be in the word because you need to be in the word. But here's what I'm working on maturing in. I want a cheerful seeker of the word. I wanna grow in you attitudes and qualities of thought and ways of thinking about my word so that more and more, you have the heart of David or Ezra or whoever wrote this, you have their heart to say, I am am longing to get into this. Father, what else are you gonna show me next? Now, part of what that requires is that I want my life changed. So back to rescue my soul, If I'm content, this is a challenge for us. If I'm content with where I am, why would I be longing to get rescued? If somebody says, all right, you're drowning, we'll help you get out of there. I'm not drowning, I'm swimming. I'm not drowning, it's a hot tub. I'm fine, leave me alone. In fact, bring me some ice tea. And if that's our attitude towards sin or toward where we are spiritually, we won't even be looking for rescue. We won't be looking for an uplift. We'll just say, in fact, this is the danger of for us as believers. I just want enough of the word to comfort me, and then I want to let God to leave me alone. I don't want him to go away. I just want him to nag me. And that means my heart is not longing for rescue. And that's why, again, why I started a few minutes ago by asking you to spend a moment agreeing with God. Where do you need rescue? Where do I need rescue? Where do I need uplift? Where do I see damage is still happening in my life? Where do I see something less than the joy and the triumph and the victory of Jesus Christ? So that I could point to that and say, Father, that's where I need rescue. Let's get after it. Let's pursue your rescue for this area of my life. Now, Wondering when we get there, but let's go to Psalm 119. <laughs> and, and we're not going to try to harvest from this Psalm in a verse by verse study of the whole thing, because some of you might recall it took us two years to get through Revelation. Yeah. I'm confident it would take us two years to get through Psalm 119 if we did it that way. So we're not going to be trying to do it that way. But we're going to try to harvest some of those attitudes and choices to challenge us in our thinking and choosing and, and to have a vision of where God is taking us even though we can't go into all the details of this entire song. Um, Now, something that I bet many of you already know, the Holy Spirit used several words for the word through this song. One of the words he uses is the word. I wasn't trying to be clever. That is it. And in fact, there's two different Hebrew words for word. And and part of it is the recognition when he's when he speaks the word, he, he means God spoke. So it's the totality of everything God has spoken. When I see Psalm 119 talking about the word, it's the totality of everything God spoke. And some of it is going to be very general. We'll say this with some of these words. Some of them will be very specific. Did I spell that right? That's an e. Specific. Okay, we're going. Um, Another word that comes up real frequently is law. And in fact, in the Hebrew, it's a word you may have heard many times. Torah. And this means the full revelation of God, which again, can go to the general or the specific. Then there's commandments. I'm not putting this in a specific order. And this is where God has given us orders. Too hard of a concept to understand. Orders, things to do and things to not do. Statutes, which are eternal principles, unchanging, permanent principles. He's also spoken in terms of ordinances. Some of your translations might use the word rules. And now he's getting down to directions for life. And it's true for some of these words again. Some of it is specific to Israel and some is general for the whole world. So because Jesus fulfilled the ritual ordinances of Israel, you and I don't have to worry about whether we mix the wrong food with the wrong food and displeased God. We don't have to worry if we have to do a ritual cleansing or, or go live outside the camp for seven days until we can do it. A lot of the ordinance was The ordinances that were given to Israel were about a nation devoted and called to God for his purposes to be a witness to the world. When Christ fulfilled the purpose and the meaning of those ordinances, that was lifted. And that's the whole New Testament transition from from Israel to the church. Another word is precepts. And precepts, in some ways, is now about directions for life, but now it's getting into the details. The details of life. Let's see. One, two, three. Oh, oh I love this one. Another one is your ways. And basically, ways is anything that flows from the character. whether it's about his holiness, his love, his grace, his patience, his strength, his truthfulness, anything that flows from the character of God is covered under the words of your ways. But if I love your ways, I love all of your character. I don't just choose pieces of your character that are comfortable for me and, and discard the others. If I'm going to love your ways, I'm going to be humble enough to say, Father, I even love your ways that are really uncomfortable for me. Judgments. Not, not too strange. This is God's moral decrees. But it also includes His perspective, God's perspective on the choices and attitudes of men. that God has a perspective. And when I'm living something, when I'm choosing something, when I'm pursuing something, when I'm giving my time or my energy, that part of part of going to the word of God is God says, you know, if you're paying attention, I'll let you know my judgment on that. I'll let you know if I'm delighted by what you're pursuing or giving priority and time and energy to. But if you're paying attention, I'll, let, I'll also let you know if my judgment is that that's foolish or destructive. And that means that the Word of God makes me wiser than I would naturally be. It means the Word of God changes my thinking about my own life. That's different than saying, Do I think this is bad? So I've had plenty of Christians through the years in, in counseling sessions, and it's usually a husband and wife in the room because they're trying to get me to vote and break the tie or whatever. It's like, it's unchristian or ungodly to watch this, you know, particular TV show because my wife thinks it's ungodly and I'm fine with it. I'm, my husband hates this show and he thinks it's foolish or he thinks it's this or, or my parents don't want me to watch this show and I think it's perfectly fine. So I'm contesting someone else's judgment and God's saying, you know what, what I would really love is if you treasured my judgment and you went in your word with those choices and those priorities and those endeavors of time and energy, and you said, Father, what is your heart on this? And what I'm promising you is that the man or woman or child who comes to me and wants my judgment, they'll learn wisdom. They won't need mommy or daddy or husband or wife to tell them if it's ungodly because they came into the word with a heart to hear, with a willingness to be rescued out of a false way of thinking. Did, I, I didn't start something. Here, did I? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> church starts all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Don't yell, church. Oh, yeah, I'll Go. So that recognition that God is saying, you know, absolutely consider other people's feelings for respect, absolutely consider other people's feelings for kindness or, or for partnership. But what I want is that your heart would be submitted and treasuring my judgments so that you come to me with a willing heart to be changed with message. Did I get 10 words out of there? One, two, three, four. Judgments, ways, precepts. Decrees. Well, Decrees is already included. Somewhere in my notes. Let's see if I got it. Oh, yes. I Testimonies. I know that several of you knew that word, but you didn't want to embarrass me by saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> testimonies. And this is God's witness for or against. You know, so we talk about this, you know, well, uh, you know, I've been subpoenaed, I have to go to court, which by the way, as as a counselor, every now and then I'm, I am subpoenaed and I have to go to court. It is... I promise you, and I mean this 100% serious, it is the least favorite part for me of being a counselor is that sometimes I have to go get testimony in court. Almost nobody's happy with how that goes. Um, I, I can't go be someone's ally. I have to go speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Sometimes people love that, sometimes people hate it. But God speaks the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And he's saying, so if you want to know, come listen to me. If you want to know whether I'm for or against something, submit yourself to my testimonies. Bring your heart in submission to my perspective on those things. Now, one thing that you could probably tell as you're looking at these 10 words, there's a whole lot of overlap. So God is not saying that if you look in the Bible, you can go to you know John 3.16. Was John 3.16 law or is it a person? Is it a priest? Yeah, we don't have to do that. We don't have to slice up the word and decide which one of these categories. Although some things will be very obvious. The recognition is all of this fits under this. It's the spoken word of God. And now I have a heart choice to make. Will I submit myself to the things God has spoken? And Go to Psalm 119. Let's see if I can find this right now because I wasn't planning to talk about it. Yes, go to verse 128. Because I like I like that God put this verse in there the way he says it. Psalm 119, verse 128. Therefore, I esteem right, all of your precepts, all of your precepts concerning everything. So here the writer of Psalm 119 has just left themselves no wiggle room. Father, everything you speak about, everything is good with me. I'm going to have this attitude that you're right. And anything that doesn't disagree with you is wrong. And that's the next phrase he says there. That I hate every false way. What are the false ways? Everything that does not agree with my Heavenly Father. Everything that does not agree with the heart of Jesus Christ. Everything that does not agree with the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Everything. And that recognition that if I have that attitude, I will recognize boy, do I have a lot of growing to do. Boy, do I have a lot of growing. So, I already said that we were not gonna finish Psalm 119 in one day, and all I did was the intro. I'm serious, that's all I got done was the intro. So, I'm uh, gonna give you 15 minutes to go grab a bite to eat, and then we're gonna come back. I would love to do that some days, but seven people would come back. But, um, no, more that would come back. Just more of you would get used to bringing your lunch with you. (laughs) Let's pray together. Father, your word is majestic. And the writer of Psalm 119 has said it in a multitude of ways. Your words are wonderful. Peter said it beautifully to you, Jesus. He said, you, you have words of life. Where else would we go? And Father, I pray that that mindset would grow in me. I pray that mindset would grow in each one of us. And I pray that that mindset of treasuring what you speak would keep maturing and growing in our body as a fellowship. Father, that we wouldn't see your your word as just a list of rules or obligations. We would see it as life. We would see it as rescue. We would see it as majestic truth to be planted into our marriages and our friendships and our parenting and our fellowship. To be planted into the way we do business, the way we handle money, the way we respond to heartache and tragedy and loss and evil. The way we respond to Satan and all his temptations. That more and more your word would be the treasure we see because we know we need to be rescued. And we learn to love your ways above our ways, and we learn to decide that everything you say is right. And we need wisdom to understand it, so we don't go off on our own little agendas. But what you heart and mind and spirit spoke into your word is treasure for us, and we get to grow in it. Father, I pray that. whatever number of sermons we are in this passage, that your spirit would be joyful wisdom for us. Father, that there would be an atmosphere of excitement that we intend to gain treasure by studying what your word says about your word and learning to agree with it. And Father, I pray that even now that um, as different members of the body are reading this chapter and pondering this chapter and gathering out choices and attitudes and outcomes and promises, that we would already be changing and growing because of what we're doing. They wouldn't just be things we hear. It would become truth we do. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.